Welcome to Making Conversations Count, the podcast that brings you business leaders who are willing to share their pivotal moments that have created a turning point in their life and career. We're hoping that these stories really do resonate with our listeners and you enjoy listening to them. Today, I have got Lizzie Butler in with me. Hello, Lizzie. Hello. <laughs> Please introduce yourself and tell everybody how we met. Okay, hi Wendy, and hi listeners. I'm Lizzie Butler, and I'm the owner and founder of LB Communication. Wendy and I first met on Jazz Greer's Business Connections, and I think we had all of about five minutes, because that's how it works, and mm. then we went on to have another conversation, which we set up just us, didn't we? So we, we never actually met in person, we've just met via Zoom, the sort of platform for doing business at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. And it was funny, Wendy, because I was thinking about this the other day and thinking about making conversations count because communication, of course, is what I do. And I help individuals and businesses to communicate better, both formally and informally, so they can get even better results than they're already getting. And I was thinking about you and I and thinking about, well, isn't it funny how we've only had two conversations, one of them being five minutes. Which was it about 100 being, miles an hour. Because you're on the clock. <laughs> and one of them being 50 minutes. Yeah. And I was thinking, we don't really know each other. I couldn't tell you what your favourite hobby is or your favourite food. And I don't think you would be able to tell me mine either. Yes. Drink, maybe. G&T. Yeah. yeah, we covered yeah. that one. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Yet I was thinking that if I knew somebody who was looking for your services, I would absolutely recommend you. And then I thought about that to myself and I thought, well, that's a big step to recommend somebody who you don't really know on a personal level. That's a big step. Because, of course, when you recommend somebody and refer somebody, you're also putting your own reputation on the line as well. And yet I'd be more than happy to do that, even given that we've only had two conversations. And I thought, well, why is that? And then I thought, well, it's because as human beings, we are emotional before anything else. We're emotional first, second and third. And the cliche, people buy from people, it's absolutely true and I would like to add on people buy from people they know like and trust and I think with you and I I certainly felt like we instantly connected we instantly clicked and that trust factor absolutely is there and that was two conversations I've got um, goosebumps Lizzie <laughs> I've got goosebumps because <laughs> this is just how unscripted these shows are everybody I agree with you emphatically, though, Lizzie, that we laughed so much in that first five minutes because there's such a synergy in what we do in terms of helping people be themselves in their communication. You have a different route to market to mine, but essentially we do the same thing. So we come across the same scenarios and I just knew straight away that I needed to get to know you that little bit better. And I think from that second conversation, I was like, will you come on my podcast, please? Because I just think that there is a story to be told and to be shared 
And it is about making those conversations count. Isn't it strange that we've not met yet? What you've said is that you would recommend me and likewise. So there is hope that we might not be physically connected, but we are socially connected. Yeah. And also, I know for some people, they can find it more difficult influencing over the telephone or online as opposed to face to face. My answer to that is, well, certainly when I'm selling over the telephone, or should I say communicating over the telephone, I sometimes close my eyes one day because I don't need my eyes to listen. Yes. Because when you listen and really, really also observe so that then you're able to adapt your communication. Because I might be talking to a client. In fact, I'll give you an example. It's a company I'm working for. And I was calling a number of clients. And this particular one, we had two conversations. And it transpired that we could save that client in the region of about £4,000. Not to be sniffed Um, at then. No, not to be sniffed at, no. And he asked me to put together a proposal, which I did and send back to him and then I followed up on the proposal and when he answered the phone and it wasn't agreed time to call I could hear in his voice that it wasn't a good time mm-hmm. even though we'd agreed that time I could hear in his voice that it wasn't his tone was much higher his pace was much quicker suggesting to me that there were other things that he needed to work on at that time and that I wasn't going to be able to meet my desired outcome. If you pressed it, yeah. You've got to be able to do that. And I have one phrase, which is, it's not about me, it's all about you. And you have to know and understand your audience and what's important to them and where they're at at that particular time. Because we know that when we communicate, we don't operate and exist in a vacuum. And therefore, I could say something to you, Wendy, that might have a negative effect. I might say something that I'm not aware of, that you have a negative connotation with that particular word or phrase or whatever it may be. And if I don't observe that, and if I don't hear that change in your voice or in your body language, then I'm going to keep going down that path, which is going to make you feel negative towards me. So I've got to be able to stop that so that I can lead you emotionally to the place where I need you to be so that you like and trust me. When we can get to that point, then I can begin to talk to you about whatever it is I want to talk to you about. Yeah, it's powerful, isn't it? The art of that. I did an article. Everybody's doing Zoom meetings. Zoom, Zoom, Zoom. And not only is it zapping everybody's energy, but it's zapping your time. So your targets are not going to be met because you're not going to be as productive. My article was kind of along the lines of do that first Zoom, get that first rapport built, agree your next actions, but follow it up with a phone call. You really do have to concentrate on listening to what's happening. And if you've got that rapport, you'll be able to tap in quickly to that personality. Yeah, And you get so much time back because let's face it, you'll book out 15 minutes and you'll fill 15 minutes. Certainly for some of the clients that I work with, their potential customers, not a chance would I have to meet them over Zoom. It's all the telephone. They have just got too much on their plate. So when I talk to them, I've got to be able to know how to manage my physical and emotional state so that I deliver the key message 
that I want them to receive and take away from them mm-hmm. and know that this is just a piece of the puzzle. Yeah, and it takes practice. It takes consistency. Yeah. And you do need to get into the zone. If you're not going to be feeling it today, don't do it. It's not worth it. <laughs> We've all done that, haven't we? When, yeah. when, when we've ignored our emotional state <laughs> and then tried to get on the phone and communicate well. Yeah, and, go do um, something you hate. <laughs> Take it out on something you hate. It never ceases to amaze me how people will press on, no matter whether it's a conversation or an action, when they should really just rein it back and do something else. Absolutely. And I think the question that people should think about is, how do they want that person to think about you or feel about you when they put the phone down? So, for instance, the potential customer who I'd called with the money saving I said to him, I can hear this isn't a good time for you now. Would it be better for us to reschedule this? And he said, oh, Lizzie, that would be so much better for me. Thank you. Thank you so yes. much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm on a different level then now because then I build a little bit of empathy and trust and mm-hmm. he knows that I can hear him. And I mean really hear him because mm-hmm. a lot of people just talk. I think a conversation is about talking and, of course, it isn't. No, it's not. Before we try and save the world from their bad sales calls, <laughs> I'm going to bring it right back to what I got you here for, Lizzie, which is for you to share your pivotal moment with us. I know that you've been scratching your head and you've been thinking hard about this. So please tell us about your pivotal moment. This is something which was really pivotal for me three years ago, yet it's something that I continue to practice every single day. And it's also something that I think everybody should think about. It was back in February 2017. And the conversation that changed my life is the one that I have with myself. Um, Oh, interesting. For so many years, whilst I was successful, I wasn't quite as successful as I am now. And that's because I changed the way I talk to myself because conversations count and words matter. The words we say to ourselves matter. And prior to that, I was in fact very, very good at giving myself negative self-talk. I wouldn't expect many people to know or realize that. And that's because I gave them the version of me that was able to not show that. When I learned how to talk to myself in a very positive way, and I'm a numbers girl and I'm a process girl. Uh-huh. So if you have A is positive plus B is negative, it means you're going to get some sort of negative reaction. But if you can make them both positive, then you're going to get a positive reaction. And what I learned to do was to change my internal communication to all positives which means that I always get positive results. And that's what I help people to do now. So for instance, I'm working with, at the moment, two senior professionals who are going for incredibly senior promotions. And I know they will both get this job. I know they will. They don't work together, by the way, it's separate companies. And the one thing that they feel is holding them back, which isn't true, by the way, 
is the self-talk. They have limiting beliefs, beliefs that are holding them back. And even though on paper, if they look at what they've achieved and they look at their skills and their attitude and how they're able to meet and exceed the criteria, they have limiting beliefs. I don't deserve this. Why me? I can't do this. Oh, I can't get that. Oh, that can't be right for me. Oh, no. Well, oh, I don't know. Oh, it's easier not to go for it. Going back to what you first said in terms of you not being as successful as you are now, what does that success look and feel like? Because people measure success in different ways and it doesn't necessarily have to be a salary. It could be a lifestyle or how you feel. Tell me Lizzie's version. Okay, well, the first thing is that I learned how to love myself again because I'd fallen out of love with myself for many, many years. Something had happened in my life on a personal level. My grandma had died and she's the most incredible lady. They're the backbone to us, aren't they? Oh, just wonderful, wonderful. And when she died, I told myself, so listen to my words, I told myself, meaning in my head, I told myself, this is too painful. You need to get busy because I thought if I got busy, then I wouldn't have to deal with it. You just put it off. Yeah, because I couldn't grieve. And I remember just feeling sort of, well, nothing, because I couldn't allow myself to go there because it was going to be too painful and I didn't want to. So I made myself incredibly busy to the point where I didn't rest anymore, to the point where I developed fear of driving. I used to drive 600 miles a week. I couldn't drive on the motorway anymore. I used to feel as though the steering wheel was going to come off and the cars at either side of me would crush me. I developed panic attacks. I developed an eating disorder. I developed all sorts of things. So those buried feelings were really desperate to try and get out. Absolutely. And in the end, my brain shut me down. And I had what I guess people would call now, I don't really like this word, a breakdown. I mean, I didn't break. Do you know what I mean? No, but, kind of uh, snapped a little. Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> with the word panic attack. The word panic attack is never going to make people feel good about themselves, is it? Panic attack. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> They're not great words, are they? No, so, no. So um, I used to go for regular massage because I used to do a lot of driving and I was a bit of a one-armed driver, to be honest. So I used to have regular massage. And I knew that she knew. Everybody else, the face was on, the filter was on. But I knew that she knew because I didn't tell anybody how I was feeling. I didn't tell my husband. I didn't tell anybody until the point where I couldn't keep it together anymore. And my brain did shut me down. There were days when I couldn't even form a sentence. That denial, though, I can see myself back in a situation similarly when I lost my dad nearly 13 years ago. Keep busy, 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 busy. Do it, sort it. And it wasn't until I was on a dog walk in the middle of nowhere and it just started to rain and it was the summer. It shouldn't have rained. And I just got soaking wet and I was so furious with the weather. Yeah. And I broke down and the first person I thought of was my dad. And that was it. It was like the floodgates. Yeah. And it was about six years later. And it's one of those things. It was only really sort of like the last 18 months. The time in between, it was a great time. I had two more children in that time. It was a great, great time. It was just the last 18 months, my body just couldn't take any more. It needed to rest. Because when you started working in a process, which means no rest, because I told myself, you need to keep yourself busy, else you will be sad. So when your brain knows the process is don't rest, don't rest, don't rest, 
it sort of ricochets, you see. You can't stop it. Well, you're not recharging you're not anything. You're not topping anything no, up. I went to the doctors. The doctor said, I have some antidepressants. I said, I'm not sad. I'm not depressed. <laughs> I'm just tired. <laughs> yeah. I'm just really, really tired. And I need to learn how to sleep again. I can't sleep. Yeah. And I said, they're not for me, thanks. I remember saying, pills haven't got me here. They won't get me out. I just don't know how. And I was introduced by Kath to Chris Parker, who is a communication specialist, amongst other things. He gave me the skills, the attitude, the process to retrain my brain. And within two sessions, I felt like a completely different person. Panic attacks, no more. Never, ever had one. I understand it's a process. And like with anything, if you do one process and that leads to another and another and another, then you'll get a desired end outcome, a result. Well, if you don't want to get that result, change your process. I work with Chris on a personal level. And then this was quite funny. It wasn't long before. I said, well, my God, I felt really, really, really bad for so long. And now I feel so good. And I remember saying to him, we've got to do something with this. We need to work together. If we can have this effect on a personal level, then how can we use this personally and professionally so that we can communicate better, so that we can influence more positively, so that we can give people the skills, the attitude, so they can control their emotions, their physicality, so they can present better, they can pitch better, they can get the interviews, they can get the jobs, they can negotiate with confidence. And that's where it's come from. So it's really, really exciting. So that was sorted in February 2017. By the October, I'd become a NLP practitioner. I'd trained with the world's number one, Dr. Richard Bandler and John Laval and Kathleen Laval, some of the world's best corporate consultants. The following year, I became a master practitioner in neurolinguistics. I tripled my income. I do a lot of work for free as well. I think it's really, really important to give back. I've done some work up at the University of Derby helping the BA Honours healthcare students get them ready so that they can achieve their desired end outcome, which is whatever grade they're looking to achieve and preparing them for when they leave. I'm also looking to work with West Park School. Our children go there and the head there, Scott McGregor, is absolutely on track with people and performance. So I'm going to be doing some work there as well. And Chris and I are now in a planning preparation stage whereby we're putting together a training program, a high quality training program, which will have different tiers so that anyone can access high quality communication training so that they can achieve the results they want and live their life in whatever ways they choose. I'm really, really passionate about people and their performance. And I don't believe that it should be just for those who have the monetary funds to do that. It has to be different levels so that everybody can access high quality training so that we can really, really raise our game and get going. You know what my creative brain is like? I could just see that you are the amplifier for it. Because oh, you've yeah, been say that. But because you've been through it and come yeah. out the other side, it's that passion because you know it works. You don't just believe it works. You know it. Absolutely. So it comes from a much deeper place. And it is, and it's really, really powerful. I used to have a fear of presentations. 
asked me to go into a room, network with 300 people, find out details about every single one, bread and butter. Easy peasy, I can do that. Mm-hmm. Stand me up in front of five people and ask me to present, I'd go to pieces because I wasn't able to use and manage my emotional state. It's that scrutiny. It's a different type of scrutiny that you're under, though, isn't it? It's about managing that as well. It is. And when you learn how to manage it, you increase your chance of success. I can only speak for myself. I know in my heart that if anybody came to you that had got a worry or an anxiety about anything in their role, when it comes to communication, they are in very, very safe hands. Lizzie, I can't thank you enough for sharing your story today. It's fascinating. I never know where it's going to lead. I'm sure the listeners are going to love it. If they want to carry on the conversation and reach out to you, Lizzie, where can they find you? On lizziebutler.co.uk. Feel free to visit my website or email me, which is lizzie at lizziebutler.co.uk. Brilliant, Lizzie. Thank you again. Listeners, don't forget to stay subscribed. You'll never miss a guest. We've got some crackers coming up for you too, just like we've had with Lizzie today. The place to go is www.makingconversationscount.studio forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining me, Lizzie, and we'll see you next time. Bye.